Welcome, future fans. A new week brings us new movies. This is the last week of lull before blockbuster season really starts, so what does this week have in store? We have quite a few thrillers, a comedy, and some magic. It's the week of April 28th, and this is Future Flicks with Billion, episode 40. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. This is Future Flicks. You have made it to the right place. Hopefully. Hopefully. If you, if this isn't what you were looking for, please stick around. I guarantee you will enjoy yourself or your money back. So let me give you a little information on what I do here, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome. In Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, also known as the Bill Score. This score is solely based on the trailer, sometimes anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BilliamSWN and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Also, throw me an email. Or is it shoot? Shoot me an email. If you can find a way to throw an email at me, then you're welcome to do it. But that email address is BilliamReviews at gmail.com. So we have some new listeners. And to those new listeners, welcome. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to go on to iTunes and give me a rating or it was Apple Podcast now, or whatever it's being called. Either way, I'd appreciate some five-star ratings. I'd love that very much. Episode 39 actually got a comment from someone. It's from our good friend Ken Petrie from the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And you know, Ken, or Dan, or Critter, if any of you are listening, I have an idea. I have a great idea for you. I know of a certain nerd who loves movies who may or may not be taking a vacation to Louisiana in august you should totally have that movie nerd on your show i heard he provides beer (laughs) i'm such a shameless okay uh but let's move on with the show we have some news for you fox has released the date for deadpool 2 but woe is all of us we won't be seeing that movie for over a year it has a june 2018 release date all this according to variety in similar news from the rap shane black's the predator was pushed back to summer 2018 sometimes movies like this just get pushed back because the studios think they'll make more money at a certain time but also movies get pushed around because of troubles and i Hope that it's not troubles. Box Office Mojo reports that the fate of the Furious is closing in on the 1 billion worldwide mark. IndieWire says that Fox has confirmed that Dark Phoenix will be in an upcoming X-Men movie. Next year, in April, we'll have New Mutants, but the next actual X-Men movie, as in a sequel to X-Men Apocalypse, which has Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, will have Dark Phoenix. So we will see Sophie Turner being bad. Hopefully she'll get a little bit better with her acting before then, because I think she has a lot of promise, but really the most of what she's been in has been Game of Thrones. 
which calls for her being one character. And while her character does go through a lot in the show, I really think she needs to do a bit more to get more experience, and then she'll be better as Jean Grey. Well, let's move on to the next story. The rumor mill is all abuzz that the creator of Mr. Robot, Sam Esmail, may be the writer of an Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars story. If you just add Ewan McGregor to that mix, then I'll be able to do push-ups with my Variety has some scary news for us. The Writers Guild has voted to strike. This is not a movie, this is the actual Writers Guild has voted to strike. Not right away, of course, but should demands not be met, they could strike as early as May 2nd. And if you remember the last writer's strike, that was when some of the worst TV in the last decade has come out. So be ready. Actually, oddly enough, the last writer's strike was 10 years ago. So maybe this is kind of like Haley's Comet, but of TV and movies, where every, every 10 years it comes around and just everything up for us. I cannot comment on their demands and if they're being realistic or if they're just overreaching. I can't comment anything on this because I don't know. I just hope that this gets figured out before a strike happens. According to The Independent, Heath Ledger's sister gave a speech at the premiere of the documentary about Heath Ledger. She squashed the rumors that The Dark Knight had anything to do with his death. She said that he loved the film and had a lot of fun doing it. The drug overdose, which happened due to two doctors giving him different medications that didn't know of the other doctors giving them medications, had a bad reaction. So that had nothing to do with The Dark Knight. One of the rumors about his death was that the movie gave him nightmares and that he needed medication for it and that killed him. Remember everyone, just please remember, always, always, always tell your doctor what you're taking. But back to the movies, because that's why you're here. Our last story involves our friend John Favreau. He says that he's terrified of screwing up The Lion King. That's the live action one. He's had a lot of hits, but he's also had some flops like Zathura and Cowboys and Aliens. This is good news. Not the, not the flops, of course, but the fact that he's worried is good news because it tells me and proves to me that he cares. I always knew he was the type of guy to care about his work, to really want to do amazing things, but this just further proves it to me. So let's hope that the live-action Lion King is going to be good. Well, that, my friends, is it for the news. So let's walk the plank into Billiam's trailer trove. How was that? Was that bad? I kind of want to make an intro to that, and I was thinking about hiring someone on Fiverr to do the voice, but then I thought, why do the voice when I can do a moderately terrible one? I think I'll do it. That wasn't that bad, right? Be honest with me. Hit me up in the comments. Tell me if that was the worst pirate voice you've ever heard, or if you liked it. Anyway, let's get on to the trove. It's a short list this week. Remember, anytime I talk about news, it's whatever just I happen to see in the magazines I read or on Reddit. And anything in the trove uh, is stuff I see, again, on Reddit or on YouTube or on IMDb. So if I ever miss something, please let me know. If you think it's worth talking about, I will hit it up on the next episode. But let's step into the trove and let me say that some of you last week may have noticed that The Last Jedi wasn't mentioned at all. That's because it's one of those trailers that you don't need me to tell you about. When the trailer dropped, everyone knew. It was a big f deal. 
So if you're wondering, no, I'm not that big of an idiot. I knew that trailer came out. It was just was so huge, I didn't think I had to mention it. If you're wondering why I'm bringing it up now, I'm just acting like a sweater tied around my waist. I'm just covering my ass. Well, let's talk about the two trailers I did notice this week. This week, Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle, now has a full trailer, which is a relief after the awful teaser trailer they gave us. I admit the teaser trailer they gave us was, was was actually clever, which had all these scenes just in a couple seconds. So you really had to pause and, and just drag through it to see stuff. But now, lo and behold, we no longer have to do that. There is a trailer and it looks great. Last in the trove, we have a trailer for a movie called The Exception. This is a World War II drama, but not one about the fighting like Hacksaw Ridge or Dunkirk. This is about a young Nazi soldier instructed to protect Kaiser Wilhelm in Holland and falls in love with a young Dutch woman who just happens to be Jewish. This is technically a war drama, but it's going to focus more on an espionage thriller part because there's supposedly a spy in the Kaiser's house and then the romance part. This looks really good. Check out the trailer. Links to the trailers will be in the show notes. That's something I'm going to try and start doing unless there are a million of them. Then you can you know, Google it. But that is it for the trailer trove. Let's get on to the movies. And the first movie this week is called One Week a Day. Ale has lost his son, and after the customary week of mourning, his wife wants him to go back to the old routine. But instead, he gets high with a young neighbor and starts discovering that there's more to life than he knew. This is an Israeli film with a limited release this week, and it looks good. It looks like a slice-of-life dramedy. None of the antics A.L. get involved in are too over-the-top or unrealistic. Even though it's a key part of the plot, at least from the synopsis I gave, this movie isn't going to be about an old man getting stoned and going on an adventure. This is going to be about him coming to terms with life without his son. They only touched momentarily on this on the trailer, but I believe he's going to realize that his friendship with the young neighbor is going to represent the friendship he wanted with his son. So it could go a couple places. If his son was the age of the boy he hangs out with, or the young man he hangs out with, he could realize everything he did wrong, or what he should have improved on, and maybe, even though he's older, hope to try again. Or if his son was younger, kind of look at this as fulfilling what's never going to happen. I've never seen an Israeli movie before, but this one looks good, but unoriginal. At least unoriginal as far as stories we're familiar with here in America. We make a sh** ton of movies and TV here, so that may be why so many new things seem familiar, or new things from other countries seem familiar. I don't know if it's the same way in Israel or not, maybe this is original there. Movies don't have to be original, of course. Don't get me wrong with that. But a movie's originality factor has a big say over my willingness to put effort into seeing it. If I stumble across this movie one day, maybe I'll give it a watch. But as it stands, I won't go seek it out. One day a week gets a 5 out of 11. Next up on Future Flicks, we have a movie with an odd name. And, you know, that's nothing new for the movies of the week. But this one is called Buster's Mal Heart. Buster is a family man who leads a boring life. One night he meets a conspiracy theorist and he finds himself on the run from the police, living in the woods, and waiting for an event called The Inversion. This stars the amazing Rami Malek from Mr. Robot, Kate Lynn Shale, not Caitlin, Kate Lynn from Outcast, Lynn Shay from Insidious, and DJ Qualls from The Man from High Castle. The trailer boasted that this is from visionary director Sarah Edina Smith, 
Who? Who the f*** is that? That always sounds a little mean when I say it. I'm really not trying to take anything out on her. I bet she's great. I just hate trailers that do that. She's directed six things and four of them were short films. They could be fantastic. I haven't seen them. But don't you dare tell me she's some visionary when she's only done two feature-length films and four short ones. And so far, this is the biggest one. Don't feed me that hyped-up bullshit. Rami Malek is a great actor, and I'm excited to see him do more and more. I liked him in The Night at the Museum 3 and in Need for Speed, but now he's really getting to do more where he can stretch his acting wings. His character in Mr. Robot is good, and he plays someone with mental illness really well. At least I assume. This movie does look good, but also kind of crazy. It feels like if Four Rooms and Shutter Island had some sort of mutant baby. This has gone to a few film festivals, so maybe Smith is a big name in the festival circuit. Okay, but enough about the director. Yes, this movie is crazy looking. This seems like the kind of movie that follows an obvious story, but still keeps you guessing at what's real and what's not. I can see this being frustrating, but not as frustrating as movies like this can be. A Cure for Wellness rode that line very well, so we'll see if this can do the same. This looks like the kind of movie you'd save for a rainy day, uh, and kind of space out while watching. It looks good, but there's no rush to see it. Buster's Mal Hart gets a 5.5 out of 11. Alright my friends, let's move on to the next movie, and the next movie this week is called Below Her Mouth. Jasmine is set to get married and one night she finds herself at a lesbian party where she meets someone, and after getting convinced to go out for one drink with Dallas, her lesbian neighbor, she finds herself in an affair that turns her life upside down. This movie is the wet dream of the creator of the Bechdel test. I don't think I'm saying it right, but B-E-C-H-D-E-L, Bechdel probably, or Bechdel. Remember folks, the Bechdel test is what rates the female presence in movies. A work of fiction has to have at least two women, or girls, who talk to each other about something other than a man or a boy to pass. Interesting note, even though the Harry Potter series had a lot of females in it, and females in leading roles, the Deathly Hollows, I believe, failed this test because none of the women talked to each other. This is going to be a really interesting movie, and not just because of its spank bankability. It's a term, trust me. This is going to be interesting because of how they deal with Jasmine's infidelity and how they promote the character of these women. How they promote the character of these women is going to dictate if this is a deep character-driven drama or a trashy romance. But Billiam, you may ask, how can it be either or? Those are two totally different things. Good question, dear listener. Allow me to answer. Let's go back to something I mentioned just a minute ago. The infidelity. It has to play a big role in the movie, and from the looks of the trailer, it does. Why does it have to play a big part? Because it will tell us what kind of people Jasmine and Dallas are. Does Jasmine care she's hurting her fiancé? Does Dallas? How will they act when he finds out? How will he react? All of this will build their character and tell us if they're one-dimensional or not. If they are, this is all just about the sex and shock value. Also, from the two or three times we saw the husband in the trailer, he looks like some boring schmuck. And I don't like that. I want him to be interesting so it will show us if this lesbian experience Jasmine is having is just for something interesting. Or if the husband is like, you know, good looking and charming, then maybe it is love and not just Jasmine looking for something else. The trailer has a quote from a website called... She Does the City, which calls the movie, quote, 
a cinematic voice for the female orgasm. It's about time. A cinematic voice for the male orgasm already happened. It was a short film called, oh, that was great. And come on, what's with the name of this movie? Blow Her Mouth? Hmm, I wonder what they're referring to. Oh my god, Snarf Chris, please don't fire me for these jokes. I'm so sorry. Just watch the trailer, man. Tell me this isn't funny material. Now let me mention something that I know bothers me about this movie. It's the trope of a woman in a relationship being seduced out of it by a lesbian. We've seen movies like this before. Give us something new. The only thing this movie has over previous iterations is more sex. So like I said earlier, spank bank ability. Let's have an honest-to-God relationship between two women. Yes, they've happened before, I know. But this trope, this one has been overdone. I truly believe it's been overdone. And usually movies like this have weak characters. So we'll see if this one is any different from the others. Below Her Mouth gets a 6 out of 11. Alright, future fans, up next this week is a movie called Bahubali 2, The Conclusion. When Shiva, the son of Bahubali, learns about his heritage, he begins to look for answers. He finds that his story follows the same line his fathers did. This is an Indian cinema movie, no, not Bollywood this time, but it still looks pretty badass. This looks like the writer Vijayendra Prasad saw the movie Gods of Egypt and thought, F yeah. That could have been the case, except Gods of Egypt came out after the first Bahubali movie, so maybe it's the other way around. Either way, this is set to be the final chapter in the Bahubali Shiva story. This looks chock full of over-the-top action with dance-like choreographed fight scenes and a melodramatic story that fits the tone of the fighting perfectly. This movie looks like a lot of fun, and normally I would say that since it'll be harder to find, being Indian cinema and all, that you should consider if it's worth your time or not, but I'm going to change my tone on this one and here's why. A Bahubali 3 is in super pre-production, like they're just discussing it. But what they do already know is that number 3 will take place in the same universe but follow a different story and have nothing to do with Bahubali or Shiva. If they are in the movie, they're not going to be the main characters. Why does that matter, you may ask? Because then you can find these two movies, sit down, and watch five and a half hours, that's right, five and a half hours, of something really awesome. And also, you'll get an ending. The story is done. The only thing is that this isn't the perfect example of Indian cinema. Like I've said before, the movies that make it to America not only get limited releases in theaters, but are extreme. They're either really goofy, a romance with some big stars in it, an action movie like this one, or once in a while you get a true dramatic masterpiece. Some of us only dip our toes into Indian cinema, and the movies that we do watch are going to be either the goofy ones or the crazy action ones. We should all take a cinematic trip around the world where we watch the best movies each country has to offer, but that's a dream for another day. Right now, the next Bollywood or Indian cinema movie I watch is going to be one of the flashy ones I can sit back and enjoy. Bahubali 2, The Conclusion, gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright, feature fans, we have one movie left before the break, and that movie is called Rupture. A woman is captured by a secret organization who experiments on her to try and rupture a special gene she has. She breaks free and must try and escape before she turns into one of them. This stars Numi Rapace, I believe that's how you say it, from Prometheus, 
Peter Stormare from 22 Jump Street, Carrie Bichet from Halt and Catch Fire, and Michael Chiklis from Gotham. This was directed by Stephen Shaneberg, who directed Secretary, and written by Brian Nelson, who wrote 30 Days of Night and Devil. This movie looks like a weird love child between Gothica and Saw. I'd like to thank Rooting Branches for reminding me of Gothica. And in shameless plug news, Rooting Branches, my fiance, did an interview with me just because she was interested in really how I got into doing the podcast. Because I started the podcast when we were already together. We were dating by the time I started the podcast. And the questions dove a little deeper into things that we've already discussed. She thought it may help just in case someone stumbles across a blog or one of her readers was thinking of doing a podcast. And so I gave my two cents. Am I the best one to ask? Maybe not. But you know what? I am just some random guy who one day decided to do a podcast, and now I have all of you beautiful people listening to the podcast every week. I will put the link to that blog in the show notes, and it's also been retweeted on my Twitter, so check that out. Back to the movie. This movie looks like a weird love child, like I said, between Gothica and Saw. It's not torture porn, though, but some of the scenes and the contraptions they have some of the characters in seem like something Jigsaw would come up with. I want to play a game. We're going to rupture some genes. This is a familiar movie. It doesn't seem like it diverts too much from the standard woman has to escape from a crazy ass cult movie. Though the question is, do they put their own spin on the story? If they do, they didn't show it in the trailer. But should they have? That's a question I'm asking. Lots of people, including me, talk about how trailers have been showing too much. Like last week's Unforgettable basically showed the whole movie. This one, not so much. Building a trailer is very important because these people made one that showed us a familiar looking movie without many new offerings. If there is something that sets this apart from other movies just like it, they didn't let us know. And that's going to affect some people's willingness to watch it. Maybe I'll watch this one day, but as for now, it doesn't interest me. The sad thing is, this could have been very cool. They had an idea. It wasn't terribly unique, but it was something that they could have put a spin on to take into a whole new direction. They could have really made something, but they didn't. Or if they did, they did a piss-poor job of showing it. We need to find this perfect middle ground, this equilibrium, where a trailer wets our appetites and makes us want to see something, but doesn't show us too much. This has some good actors in it, but not enough to save it. So many times during the life of this podcast have I found myself saying something like this, and the truth is that it's quite often the case. Lots of movies are made. As fans of this show, or even if you're first-time listeners, as you will learn, or maybe you already know, lots of movies come out, and the thing is that they all can't be great. In a perfect world, they would all be unique. They would be amazing. And each and every one would be worth seeing. So that way you can just open up Netflix, hit random, because there'd be a random button in this world, hit random, and something amazing would come on. But that is not the case. We live in the real world where crap gets put out. This one doesn't look like crap. It just looks mediocre. If this is your type of movie, then go see it. If not, then skip this. It is not my type of movie though it's just slightly interesting, which explains that Rupture gets a 4 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for that first and only break, where I now have two words from our friends, first word being from Somewhat Nerdy Radio, and the second from Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, and we're back. We are back with episode 40 of the Future Flicks with Billion podcast. I did two two takes before this. The first one, I said, we are back with a Someone Nerdy podcast. And the second time, I said, we are back with the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Oh my god, I'm terrible. Speaking of how terrible I am, I have infected another podcast with my awfulness, and that podcast is the Uncorked Gamers. Some friends of mine did a podcast, so I went and visited them and recorded an episode. I recorded tonight, which is one of the many reasons this episode is going to be a little late, so I'm sorry about that again. It's been having a couple bad weeks at work and that really really interrupts my groove you know normally i could record in one night i just bang it out and i'm awesome all right maybe not awesome but i'm passable and when i was trying to record this one i found myself messing up a lot so i took the day i relaxed i played a lot of video games and then i went and recorded with the uncorked gamers that episode is out now give it a listen the link to their site will be in the show notes, but wh- where was I going with this? Oh yeah, that's why this episode is going to be a little late. Let's get on with the show. The next movie this week is called Voice from the Stone. A nurse is hired to aid a boy who became mute after his mother's passing. She learns that he hears voices coming from the stone walls of the old house, but she also learns that voices from beyond the grave isn't all she has to fear. This stars Amelia Clark, Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, and Martin Sokas from Into the Badlands. Once again, a psychological thriller that looks like we've seen it before. There's a theme. There's a theme this week. I love themed weeks. All right, I don't. It just it just makes my job a little easier. Just just a smidge. The thing is, this is based off a book from the 90s. So while the story itself may be more original than the movies we've seen so far that are similar to it, they still waited 20 years to make this movie. So the book was more original than all these other movies, but they still waited too long. So now this movie is coming out. It's no longer original. Sure, they can claim that, oh, when this book was written, it was an original idea. So we did it first. Yeah, good for you. Good, good job. Pat yourself on the back and then no one will watch your movie. You have failed. I know a lot goes into turning a book into a movie. A lot of rights disputes, blah, blah, blah. So it's not like they could have done much about it. But still, it's a shame that this story has been around for a while. And now it's coming out in a time where we've had a plethora of movies like this this year alone. Let's talk about the actors a little bit. I 
like Amelia Clark. She's a good actress that really hasn't done much. Game of Thrones was her first big role, so the non-Game of Thrones roles she's been getting have been slowly getting bigger and bigger. She's set to be in the upcoming Han Solo movie, and we'll see how that goes. But about this movie, good or not, we've seen it before. I, I don't think I can say this enough. This movie is like Woman in Black and A Cure for Wellness had a weird baby. There's something going on in the house that's somehow tied to the child. This ghost, if it is a ghost, wants the kid. The nurse shows up with a mission. Freaky shit starts happening. She tries to leave but learns she's unable to. I like the two different ideas they're working with. And this could be a good movie. It has potential to be worthwhile. But this is going to be an indie thriller, which means it could either be really good or boring as all hell. I know I've already been over this, but parts of the trailer really, really reminded me of both Woman in Black and A Cure for Wellness, and not necessarily in a good way. Also, I think that the trailer may have spoiled a key part of the plot, not overtly, but the trailer asked a question, and then later in the trailer showed a scene which could very well answer that question and it would make a lot of sense as the answer. In fact, it could answer the two main plot questions. What's, what voice is a kid hearing and why can't the nurse leave? I really hope, I really hope it was a coincidence that this scene is just some random scene they just thought to throw in because it looked cool and it just so happens to be able to fit in the story so well as a major plot point. I hope that's the case and that they weren't really sloppy and spoil a real big deal. But what can I say? Trailer Guy had nothing to do with this, so that could have been the fact. I don't think I'm that clever. I think any of you could have put it together too, and thus, I have a problem with the trailer. This one shows too much of the important stuff, but instead they should have teased at what's different about this movie while leaving anything big for the film itself. This could still be good, but so far, all signs point to it being mediocre, with the acting being the only positive thing. The overtly familiar plot and oversharing trailer drag this down past the 5 mark. Voice from the Stone gets a 4 out of 11. Alright, next up on this episode of Future Flicks with Billiam, we have How to Be a Latin Lover. A trophy husband gets dumped after 25 years of marriage and must move in with his sister where he begins to grow close with his family. This stars Eugenio Derbez from Jack and Jill, Salma Hayek from Desperado, Rob Lowe from Parks and Rec, and Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars. This was directed by Ken Marino, the guy who played Captain Stentley in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's directed episodes of Children's Hospital, The Goldbergs, and Burning Love. So he knows his way around comedy. I'm not familiar with Eugenio Derbez, but Hayek, Lowe, and Bell know their way around comedy. This also has quite a few smaller roles for famous and mildly famous people, like Michael Sarah, Rob Corddry, McKenna Grace, Rob Riggle, and the legendary Raquel Welch. I enjoy comedies, but it takes a big one to get my butt into a theater seat. By big, I mean one of two things. It either has a great cast with people like Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, Jason Bateman, Jillian Bell, etc. Or it's one of those sleeper indie comedies that come out of nowhere that are really good like Sideways or Little Miss Sunshine. This one looks funny, but the kind of funny I'd enjoy just as much at home. 
Office Christmas Party was fun in theaters because it had some over-the-top action sequences. This one looks like a standard comedy, which may have a new story, something we haven't seen before, but still not big enough to get me excited. It looks like Eugenio Derbez does a great job as a former trophy husband who now doesn't know what to do with his life. All he had to do so far was just be married to this woman and sit around and look pretty. So there is going to be a family drama aspect to this film as he grows closer with his sister and her child. Maybe the kid's father isn't going to be in the picture, so Derbez has to be the acting male role model and learn to be a better man in the process. Aww. This is something to add to your list of to-be-watched movies. It'll be funny and enjoyable, but best saved for later. How to Be a Latin Lover gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright, this is where I normally say that I have two movies left, one pick, blah blah blah, but my friends, once again, this week, we have two picks. I'm going to go with the obvious one first, but I'd like to see if you can guess what the second pick is. Snarf Chris, if you're listening, I know for a fact that you've seen at least the poster for this movie. Recently, in fact. So let's move on to the first pick, which is The Circle. A woman gets a job at a tech company, and it's everything she's always wanted. At first, it's her dream job, and it's more than she could have ever asked for. But as time goes on, she begins to realize there's a dark, hidden agenda that the company doesn't want people to know about. This stars Emma Watson from Beauty and the Beast, Tom Hanks from Joel vs. the Volcano, John Boyega from Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, the late Bill Paxton from Big Love, Karen Gillian from Doctor Who, and Patton Oswalt from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. At first, this wasn't going to be my pick. Actually, up until just a few moments ago, the other movie was my only pick, but after reviewing the trailer for my notes, I realized I do want to see this. Okay, I said moments, but, you know, minutes, better part of an hour, whatever. Time's relative. At first, it just didn't wow me. The original trailers for this didn't do anything, but the second trailer looked better, and it still doesn't really wow me per se but it just looks like something i would enjoy it's a good idea that's terrifyingly topical i have willingly shared information with so many sites that even pornhub uh, i'm sorry i mean amazon knows everything about me was that joke scripted oh yes yes it was I mentioned this is terrifying, and I'd like to think most of you understand why, but let me explain briefly just in case. So May, Emma Watson, works for this company who knows of her father's MS without her having told anyone at work. These people know everything you do, or she does, and can see her at almost any time, and she can't escape their view. That's terrifying. So if I forget to zip my fly, they see this. If I've been sitting a while and I have to adjust my balls when I stand up, they're gonna see that. The trailer didn't show much tech speak, and I really hope it doesn't, because tech speak in media is very, very iffy. We've all seen the examples from TV, like NCIS, uh, CSI, and other shows like that having terrible, terrible, embarrassingly bad computer hacking scenes. Castle, which was a show I actually thought was good for a procedural crime drama, had one of the worst hacking scenes I have ever seen. The movie Hackers, as fun as it is, was stupid. So I'm hoping this movie relies more on the fact that it's just assumed the company has the technology, so they don't have to go into some big discussion on how everything works. 
And if they do, if they touch on how the technology works, then hopefully they hired someone to be a tech consultant who knows what they're talking about. If not, it's going to destroy the suspension of disbelief. If you're not like me in that way, then maybe you have nothing to worry about. But for me and people like me, once they start into the bull tech jargon, they lose me. And it's weird because I can go in, I can watch a movie like 21 Jump Street or some other truly ridiculous movie and be fine with it because I go into this movie knowing that it's going to be silly. But if I go into a movie like The Circle that's going to be serious and then they give me some BS tech jargon or they are not serious with something and it will lose me. Of course, this is all just a what if. And so far, both trailers I've seen don't show any of the characters talking the tech talk. There's a bunch of them using the different, using the circle, the circle program or search engine or social media, whatever it is, and a bunch of computer stuff, but no, you know, no awkward nerds sitting behind the computer with their fingers flying across the keyboard saying a bunch of nonsense. So that's good. So I hope it stays that way. The circle looks good. It has great actors in it. It looks intense. It looks well shot and well written. The only fear, that fear I took probably way too long talking about, so far has no basis in reality. I look forward to seeing one of the final things Bill Paxton is ever going to do on the big screen. Actually, let me change that. This is the final big movie or big screen thing he's going to do. The only thing that has yet to come out is Training Day, the TV show which he did 10 episodes of. And I hope that they find some way to keep the show going just because he's one of the main characters. And if they show these 10 episodes and they don't have a way to replace him, then they go, okay, here's 10 episodes. Bye, suckers. So let's at least have Bill Paxton's legacy go on for maybe another season before canceling it. All right, but back to this movie. This one looks very entertaining. It's going to be fun. The question is, is this worth it for you? Because I don't really count this as part of blockbuster season. This is a big movie, big names. It's a very interesting topic. It is being pushed heavily. I've seen a bunch of trailers for it, advertising on a lot of websites, but this is not a blockbuster. Blockbuster season next week. The Fate of the Furious, which I still haven't done a review for, and I swear I'll type something up. Fate of the Furious was just the tip of the iceberg. This is the final week before we hit the big times. The Circle gets an 8 out of 11. All right, everyone. It is time for my pick of the week, so were you able to figure it out? Do you know what movie it is? Snarf Chris, were you able to get it? My second pick of the week is called Slight. Jacob is a young street magician, and he's left to care for his little sister after their parents pass away. He turns to illegal activities to keep the roof over their heads, but when he gets deep into trouble, he must use his abilities to keep his sister safe. This stars Jacob Lattimore from The Maze Runner, Seychelle Gabrielle from Falling Skies, and Dulay Hill from Psych. This was written and directed by J.D. Dillard, who hasn't done a lot that many of any of us would know of, but he is currently in talks to do the remake of The Fly. Because when I think of movies that need to be remade, The Fly is sure one of them. No, it's not. The original one was great. Let's let's not ruin that. Some of you may be wondering why I thought Snarf Chris should have known this. And the fact is, 
everyone on the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast should have known this because they all watch w- the WWE and this movie is done by WWE Studios and the poster has also been on been seen on episodes of Smack I, I believe both SmackDown and Raw. All right, my feelings for this movie kind of went on a little roller coaster because before seeing a full trailer just reading the just reading the synopsis i really like the idea so that some street magician some guy that is really good at sleight of hand thus the title slight has to use his abilities his tricks to somehow trick these bad guys and it could be really cool it could have been an awesome idea but after the trailer hit, you notice in the trailer that he actually has powers, like minor powers, but still powers nonetheless. So I was initially shocked. I was like, okay, what is this? What's going on here? And I took a step back. But then after watching the trailer again, it does look cool. I don't have a problem with him having powers. It's just that it's not what I was expecting. So I'm glad the trailers showed it, at least a hint of that. So when I go into it and he starts using actual magic, I'm not like, I'm not caught off guard. I love the Maze Runner series, but I wasn't that familiar with Jacob Lattimore. I haven't watched Falling Skies, so Seychelle Gabrielle, I'm not familiar with her either. But I did watch Psych quite a few times, in fact, and Dulay Hill and West Wing. Psych and West Wing and Dulay Hill is amazing. Interesting fact, in this, he plays a drug dealer. On Psych, he works for a pharmaceutical company. Dulay Hill can't stay away from drugs, ladies and gentlemen. He is typecast. And now is when I would like to take the time to remind you, my dear listeners, especially if you're new, that just because I have picked a movie to be my pick of the week doesn't mean it is going to be some life-changing experience. That That's not what it means. It just means that it's going to be a fun movie, something that I want to see. Because always remember, always remember that everything I see on say on these, besides the premise, is my opinion. So when I constantly say that a movie reminds me of a love child between movie A and movie B, that's just what I see. I'm getting more and more listeners, so I'm doing something right. But I just want to preempt this just in case someone takes my advice and watches Slight and go, Hey, that was kind of dumb. I want my money back, Billiam. I don't even know what that voice is supposed to be. I am sorry. I apologize if I offended anyone with that voice. Sound a little Southern. This movie takes a very interesting concept into play. It takes the idea of what Now You See Me was based off of and makes it a little more realistic while simultaneously making it more unbelievable. So this kid is just a street hustler when it comes to magic. That's more realistic part where... In Now You See Me, the Four Horsemen were all really big-time magicians. That's a little more fantastic. Now You See Me, they don't actually have powers. In this one, he actually has powers. So that that do you see where I'm going with this and how they're both realistic and not realistic? This one, just a little more so, and it's interesting because he can use actual magic. This reminds me a bit of Now You See Me, just in the sense that it's a magician using his magic to do things other than entertain. The difference is, in Now You See Me, it's on a much bigger scale. This one, he has actual powers, and on a smaller scale. So I mentioned WWE Productions is working on this, or worked on this, but also Bloomhouse, the people behind some of my favorite horror movies of the modern era. And WWE Productions is a reliable company, just like Bloomhouse. The WWE doesn't always put out great movies, but you know what to expect. If the movie they're doing is going to get theater time, then you know it's going to be pretty good, or at least passable. If it goes straight to DVD, 
like a lot of them do, then you know it's going to be some mindless action flick that you can just zone out to. This one is going to be one of the passable to good ones. It's going to be one part gritty and real and another part fantastical. Gritty and real in the fact that this kid has to raise his sister alone, can barely make ends meet, and has to turn to crime. I mean, it's a sad commentary that there are people out there who see this as their only option. That they are in such dire straits that it's either be homeless or go rob someone. So we're taking this gritty, real story, we're adding magic to it, and then we're also adding a Taken-esque, though on a smaller scale, Taken-esque rescue story, because I think the sister gets kidnapped at one point, so this Taken-esque rescue story, and adds it to the mix as well. I'm also really impressed that WWE didn't try to throw one of their wrestlers in, because that's something they do a lot. If they have their hands in a movie, a wrestler usually gets a role. But I have noticed movies in the past that they did that didn't have a wrestler in it. And I like this. It means that they are serious, that they want to push their people. They want to take some of their talent and get them out there and to get money, even more money on a, from fans of those wrestlers. But at the same time, they realize that they can make other movies and not throw their talent into it. <laughs> Watch, I'm totally wrong. And in the middle of a scene, Randy Orton busts through and RKO's someone. But I want you to keep this movie on your radar. I don't want you to see this in theaters unless you really, really want to. But this is something that I think you should pay attention to just because it could be fun. It could be enjoyable. I just subscribed to the WWE Network earlier this week, so I haven't had a chance to look through them too much. But I don't think that they get WWE production movies as part of that subscription service. But this movie should go up somewhere. It should go up on some streaming service service so in that case i want you to keep your eyes open for it so when it comes out just to look at it and just to see that here's a movie with one mildly famous person in it that had an interesting idea that presented it in an interesting way and that's worth a watch is it worth theater time is it worth a purchase Probably not, but I think it's going to be fun. We're going to see Dulé Hill in a role that we've never seen him in before, playing a bad guy, and we're going to see a unique idea on the silver screen. So let me reiterate, this is worth a watch, just not in theaters, even with the bill score of 8 out of 11. All right, future fans, that is it. That is it for this week. For episode 40, the week of April 28th, thank you very much for listening. I, I know I say this every episode, and I, I just want you to realize I truly mean it. I truly mean thank you. You took 30 minutes to an hour out of your week to listen to me talk, to listen to my opinions on movies, and you come back week after week. So thank you for that. So let's get on with the housekeeping. And you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Tumblr, YouTube, and any podcast listening app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. Five stars, pretty please. And also, give me a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Tumblr. All of those are Billiam, S-W-N. That's B-I-L-L-I-A-M, S-W-N. 
email me at billiumreviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. They are coming back next week, I believe. Remember that a new episode of the Uncorked Gamers is out with a co-host of me, your favorite neighborhood billion. Remember to check the show notes for any links I've mentioned. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.